Edward in the sunlight was shocking. I couldn't get used to it, though I'd been staring at him all afternoon. His skin, white despite the faint flush from yesterday's hunting trip, literally sparkled, like thousands of tiny diamonds were embedded in the surface. He lay perfectly still in the grass, his shirt open over his sculpted, incandescent chest, his scintillating arms bare. His glistening, pale lavender lids were shut, though of course, he didn't sleep. A perfect statue, carved in some unknown stone, smooth like marble, glittering like crystal. Hot! Welcome to a very special Chapter 13 episode of Summer Twilight Book Club, the podcast where two dumb bitches disappoint their moms by wasting their social work degrees on a questionable analysis of four garbage books. I'm Kat. And I'm Sahana. And you know, I spent a lot of time with your mom this week, in fact, and she really would be disappointed in us. (laughs) It's honestly a good thing that she doesn't know about this podcast. That's why we don't promote it on Facebook. I had to stop myself from mentioning it. Anyways, um, <laughs> Sahana, should we like maybe take a minute to explain why we're breaking from format on this chapter? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um, I think that listeners should know why we're going rogue here. Um, so as Kat and I started reading this chapter, both of us realized that we had about triple the amount of notes that we usually do for a chapter. Because uh, this one is a stunner, folks. It is so um, much. <laughs> It's it's so much. Like, not only did this chapter make me literally scream text cat the word yikeroni more than once, uh, it also includes the bulk of this book series' most iconic moments. Um, and so we figured the only way to really do that justice was to just go ahead and dedicate a whole episode to it. I hope you're prepped. I hope you're ready. Just... Like, like get a snack, get some water, get a blanket. It's going to be a wild fucking ride. Um, that said, we also actually want to take a second to acknowledge that a lot of what we're going to inevitably wind up yelling about today are actually some really deeply abusive and manipulative relationship dynamics. Um, so we're going to put timestamp content warnings in the episode description in case you want to skip through that because it is, it does get pretty rough. Um, and we're also going to periodically drop some resources. Um, we actually don't even have a red flag of the week uh, this week because this whole fucking chapter is our red flag of the week. Um, so in any case, we just want to remind you to take care of yourselves because we love you. Um, and as fun as it is for us to yell about car crash fetishes, a lot of the shit in this book is actually really deeply fucked up. Um, and it might bring up some shit for you that you're not expecting. Um, we know it's done that for us as we've been reading. So if any of the stuff that we talk about resonates with you and you want to talk to somebody about it, Please know that there are resources available out there for you. There are people that are really skilled and trained to help you through these things. Um, We'll drop some links and some hotline numbers in the show notes. Um, Yeah. So uh, with that said, Katie, could you set the scene for us and just really take us right into this chapter? Oh, I think I can. Imagine. It's 2006. You're a 13-year-old girl. You're wearing your new skinny jeans, the hot new trend that finally you convince your parents to get you. You just got on the bus to school and you pull out two things. One, the fishnet arm warmers you're hiding from your parents. You put them on. The ones that you bought at Hot Topic with your friends over the weekend. $13. You feel secure. (laughs) And two, the copy of Twilight you just got for Christmas. Oh boy. You love this book. It's about a girl named Bella, but that's incidental. It's really about you. You and the most beautiful boy in the world, named Edward. A boy who miraculously saved your life. And while you thought he hated you, you come to find out that he really can't stay away from you. (gasps) Less importantly, you find out he's a vampire, but you don't care at all. All you hear is that he's a bad boy who only has eyes for you. You yeah, keep... the blood drinking is really neither here nor there. It doesn't matter. You keep a secret to yourself and commit yourself to being around him as much as possible. One day, it's finally sunny in your town, your rainy, rainy Pacific Northwest town. <laughs> and Edward takes you on a hiking trip. He's wearing a sexy, open, sleeveless button-up. 
<laughs> and you can't keep your eyes off him until you reach a beautiful clearing in the trees. You step into the glorious sunlight and turn around. He's still standing at the edge of the woods. You feel your heart quicken. He told you he isn't burned by the sun. And here he is, about to share the secret with you of what really happens. What's going to happen next? So much is going to happen next, Katie. Just, whoo, so much. Okay. So this chapter opens with what is perhaps undeniable proof that Stephanie Meyer has never before seen a man shirtless. Like, I (laughs) am pretty sure that her husband keeps his shirt on when they fuck because that is the only (laughs) conceivable way that anyone would think that it's appropriate to use the word scintillating to describe someone's arms. And that is the first thing that we get. Scintillating. Although Um, I have to say, I do appreciate uh, Meyer's dedication to just objectifying men in this, you know? (laughs) You know, I I will say that it's a nice flip of the script. Um, Although also, honestly... Come to think of it, maybe scintillating is the way that a high schooler would describe a dude's muscles because uh, a friend and I in high school definitely had a running joke about wanting to lick Nutella off a swimmer's biceps. Uh, And then Kat dated him. So thanks for taking that one for the team, bud. We appreciate you. Major yikes. Anyways. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anyways. So, for those of you that are unfamiliar with the canon of Twilight, vampires sparkle in the sunlight. They sparkle. So, Edward walks out into this clearing, and he just transforms into a bedazzled marble statue. Uh, I would like to point out that we never get an explanation for why he sparkles, Only that when he walks into the sunlight, he just is now inexplicably made of glitter. Yeah, I I would like Uh, some explanation on that. Like, what purpose does that serve? Like, everything else about him is, like, has, like, a purpose. Like, it's... Like, do you think... Do you think it's, like, a diversion tactic? Like, if he was trying to hunt somebody during the day, like, the fact that he's really sparkly would distract them long enough that he could fucking murder them? Like, I don't understand. Is it the devil's sick joke? I don't know. Bella uh, has spent several hours just sitting, staring at him, apparently. Um, And she tells us that the meadow is so magnificent, was so magnificent to her at first, but that it now pales in comparison to Edward's beauty. And I have to say that, honestly, the only thing I thought of when I read that was how diametrically opposed it is to that line in Pride and Prejudice where one of the Bennett sisters says, what are men compared to rocks and mountains? (laughs) (laughs) Which is... Truly hilarious, considering how heavily Jane Austen features in Bella's "Not Like Other Girls" posture. I just like, like that, you, that bitch. I like that you remember that line. Oh, I, Katie, I love that line, and I'm now going to commit it to memory from now on. <laughs> I just like I don't understand why Bella thinks that she can get away with trying to convince us that she's not like other girls. Because like, bitch, we're all horny for this cut glass motherfucker. Okay, mm. like. You have literally been sitting in this meadow staring at him for several hours. Uh, and he's just been lying <laughs> in the grass singing to himself. Like quietly. Like a fucking weirdo. The, yeah, not loud enough for her to hear. Inaudibly singing to himself. So he's really just and, mouthing words, which one time in an acting class, we had to have like a acting exercise where we were just like, so I was like waiting for something. So I was waiting at the bus stop and my I was singing along to myself, but people couldn't hear me singing. And they were like, what are you doing? Were you s- doing some sort of spell? Like, what was that? <laughs> and I could only imagine like reading this. And I was like, wow, I probably looked like a fucking insane person. Like, <laughs> Maybe he is trying to cast a fucking spell. I don't know. Who knows? Um, also, after last week's episode, I just imagined him like laying in the grass Singing a Linkin Park song to oh himself because we know that Edward Cullen loves Linkin Park, and I think Jackson that that really enhances the image. I killed you anyway. <laughs> like he's just laying in the grass, like softly rapping "Numb Slash Encore" to himself oh in the God. middle of the day, because that tracks for the mid two thousands. Oh my gosh. Oh, God. So, okay, so Bella starts tracing Edward's face and arms with her hands, which is precisely as awkward as it sounds. Um, And Um, at one point as she's doing this, 
Yes. Can we, can I, can I insert a quick aside? I believe you can, yes. Okay, so I I need to talk about this part, because this part, honestly, wait. No, actually, I'm going to save this. I give a little teaser, though. Later on, I am going to talk about my first gay experience, but I'm going to wait. Can't wait. I'm going to wait until later on when Edward uh, traces her back. Before I talk oh, about okay. it. Oh, okay. All right. So there's just, just tracing abound, really. So in um, case you were <laughs> thinking about turning off this episode, uh, don't, because it will be embarrassing for me. <laughs> we all know how you love to listen to Katie embarrass herself. Um, so they're touching each other some shit. Um, at one point as she's doing this, Edward asks her what she's thinking, and she tells him that she wishes she could believe that he's real, and also she wishes that he that she wasn't afraid. And then in honestly, what is probably the most flagrant display of gaslighting I've ever fucking witnessed. He tells her that he doesn't want her to be afraid, which is fucking bullshit. Like these mixed fucking messages, my guy, you just spent the last 12 goddamn chapters telling Bella that she should be afraid of you, that you're dangerous and that you're not good from her for her. And that if she knew what was good for her, she would stay away from you. And like, He has consistently told her that she is essentially one paper cut away from him straight up eating her. (laughs) And now he decides that he doesn't want her to be afraid. Like, fuck you, like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Really insane. I love you. Don't be afraid. afraid. I don't want you to be afraid. Um, And Bella's response to this is somehow even more concerning because she internally acknowledges that Edward cannot honestly tell her that she has nothing to be scared of. But she chooses to believe that anyway. Because she can change him. That, my good bitch, is what we call denial. Like, Bella, sweetie, honey, baby. Bella, honey. It is time to go see a therapist. Mm. It's time. It's been time. God, okay. So, the most unsettling part of this entire conversation is that mid-sentence, Bella gets distracted by the sweet, sweet smell of Edward's <laughs> mid-afternoon breath. Oh my gosh. Like, I could not she desc- handle that. She describes the smell of his breath as mouthwatering, which is just upsetting in ways that I can't even begin to explain. And also begs the question, what the fuck does his breath smell like? Oh my gosh, I hadn't even considered that. I had just like, like assumed what? it smelled like, I don't know, like... Um, what was it called? Like, just breathe romance, that old Bath and Body Works lotion? <laughs> like, I, this is, right, like, I was reading this and I'm like, does he chug a fucking bottle of Chanel number no. 5 every time they hang out? Or is Bella literally just so horny for him that she gets off on his gross mouth breathing? Like, that's next level horny. No, it's a vampire power, I think. <laughs> oh, oh, you're right. Oh, no. Okay, all right, we'll get there. Um, anyway, so Bella is so captivated by the smell of Edward's breath that she leans in closer to him to try to inhale it. Um, and before she can really taste the elk that he had for lunch earlier, (sighs) Edward bolts away like a middle-aged white woman through the doors of Bath and Body Works during the semi-annual sale. Like, he is up and running. Uh, and after about 10 seconds, he walks back over to her where she's sitting in the meadow and he starts to, you know, okay, no, you know what? Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Katie because if I try to talk about this next part, I'm going to start straight up shrieking because it makes me so fucking mad. Okay, so first, I do want to specify that shortly after, he does specify that it is a vampire thing. Oh um, so like Edward comes back, you know, he runs away because he's like, Ugh, I can't be near you, you're tempting me. And then he comes back and he decides to put on, like, one of the worst displays of toxic masculinity I've ever read about. So he decides to show Bella how his sexy breath is superfluous to the other predatory qualities he possesses. He, I think, literally says... No, I'm gonna look it up. Okay, wait. I know it's in my notes. Yep, okay. He literally says, Everything about me invites you in. My voice, my face, even my smell. As if I need any of that. 
So at least here we have confirmation that his sexy breath is a vampire power. It's a it's canonically a vampire power. Which means that like two of the things that Stephanie Meyer to straight ass made up was sparkly skin, sparkly and hot sexy breath. Sexy breath. <laughs> like Stephanie Meyer was like, you know what? There's something we haven't sexualized yet. You know, like. Fuck bats. Fuck coffins. You know what I want is like uh, horny need to breath. Be invi- he doesn't need to be invited in. He just <laughs> needs to breathe in your face. Hor- horny breath. Horny breath power. <laughs> Anyways, though. So this part's actually <laughs> fucked. So he proceeds to show Bella how he has complete power over her and any other human by showing that he can dart around so quickly he's barely visible to her eyes so she can't outrun him. And then he just, like, breaks a thick-ass branch off a tree and throws it at another tree and it fucking explodes. Yeah, like, he literally says to her, as if you could outrun me. As, as if, if you, you could, could fight me off. off. Yeah. Like, there's if I wanted to kill you, there's nothing you could do, bitch. So Bella's frightened for, like, literally, I, I checked, two and a half sentences. Oh my god. Before her horniness takes over. So, like, Edward is just being fucking horrifying without warning while alone in the woods with her, making her super uncomfortable- and then being like, but don't be scared, even though I just showed you that if I want, I can murder you and there's nothing you can do about it. Because, like, that's fucking neat. And then she's just like, oh, my God, he's so hot, though. Which, like, I get it. Like, I get it. Like, that's what I feel like when I watch the gif of Sasha Banks, like, beating up Charlotte Flair with a kendo <laughs> stick. Where I'm just like, Sasha Banks, please beat me up with a kendo stick. <laughs> so like maybe Bella and I both have some self-reflection to do I think oh boy maybe we need to start group therapy for you and Bella Swan so like ugh, honestly so after this whole ordeal he starts to apologize for scaring her and he says that he will be on his best behavior and asks if she's okay which is honestly oh my god so Bella like swallows her fear it's so upsetting she literally is like, um, I looked down, I was like really freaked out, I like took a gulp, and then I looked up and I smiled at him gently and just like absentmindedly started tracing his arm again. And all jokes aside, like this is really upsetting. Like this is abuse. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like this is what next level fucked up. Um, and I actually want to take a second to talk about how this is some fucking textbook abusive behavior. So this like repeating progression of acting violently and then swearing that you're never going to do it again and begging for forgiveness is literally the classic cycle of abusive and controlling behavior. So um, like that's what we call the honeymoon period, right? Like everything's okay. And then there's a violent act and then the person begs for forgiveness. They promise they're never going to do it again. And then it just goes in this cycle. Like you could honestly plot out Edward and Bella's relationship on the power and control wheel that we use when we do survivor support work and talk about intimate partner violence. Um, And so like abusers will very often throw and break things in close proximity to survivors in order to intimidate them, which is exactly what Edward is doing when he's fucking ripping trees apart and throwing them around the fucking forest like a goddamn ant. Like he literally tells her that she couldn't ever escape him if she wanted to. Um, and she says that his eyes are glowing with rash excitement, which seems to indicate that scaring the shit out of her and demonstrating to her that she's totally powerless is what gets him off, which is really deeply upsetting. Um, and so then after doing a bunch of stuff that would scare anyone enough that they just immediately evacuate their bowels on the spot, he tells her not to be afraid and then promises her that he would never hurt her, which is some really abusive gaslighting behavior because he's clearly just demonstrated to her and explicitly told her that he could harm her and there's nothing that she could do about it. So now I think would be a good time to introduce our newest segment that we've decided to do, um, knowing that this book's only going to get worse as it goes on. Um, Social work concept of the week. And this week we want to give you a brief introduction to the concept of trauma bonding. Yeah, so I think this is a really good place for us to talk about this, um, because this is a really excellent example of what's happening in this book. Um, So trauma bonding is something that I see a lot in my work as a trauma therapist, and it's a pretty direct result of that cycle of violence, apology, forgiveness, violence that we talked about earlier. Um, So what happens is that this reinforcement of reward and punishment creates really powerful emotional bonds between abusers and survivors. Um, 
And a really key part of trauma bonding is that fear and danger get associated with things that we generally assume to be positive, like excitement and sexual arousal and affection. And so what ends up happening is that people who are in abusive relationships get these really confusing messages about what love and affection and sexual arousal are supposed to be. Um, And so this is where you hear things from survivors like he hits me because he loves me, right? Um, Trauma bonding creates this sort of loyalty, like literally a bond to somebody who's harmful and destructive because we get taught that there's some kind of reward that comes after violence or punishment. So like as much as Katie and I constantly joke about Bella being horny for danger, the fact that Edward is actively introducing that into their relationship wherever he can is 100% an attempt at manipulation and is abusive behavior and it's not okay. Yeah. And I know that like we haven't read them yet, but I have read them in the past and I know that we'll definitely continue to see this playing out in the books to come, especially in new moon, the next book. If you mm-hmm. have not read new moon folks, it is a doozy. And so this is something you see a lot in teen romances, like not just twilight. Um, like the mass popularity of twilight and other like similar media has definitely ingrained this dynamic as like sexy and desirable for a lot of young folks especially teen girls and like this book in particular is upsetting because edward is a literal predator like an animal predator like he says explicitly i am the perfect predator and so not trying to hide this and so sometimes when i'm reading this i think like okay well yeah like edward's a predator but the huge issue is is it's made sexy and good and is presented as romantic and something to strive for and it is not condemned in any way and i know i can say from firsthand experience that books and shows like these definitely worked my idea of what a healthy relationship looked like and have definitely impacted what i viewed as attractive uh, in a very damaging way yeah i mean i think this book for definitely for me and for a lot of other people i know like really dramatically warped our sense of what like a loving relationship looked like and we were sort of taught that this like obsession was sexy and it's not it's fucking horrifying yeah like it definitely was like oh fear is normal in a relationship which it shouldn't be and so Mm. i know it's taken me a lot of unpacking and i know i still honestly have more to go and i'm sure this is something that a lot of our listeners can relate to as well like i'm I mean, I know some of you and I know that it, it probably is. So I just want to also just, again, note that if this is something you or someone you know struggles with, uh, please look at our description. We have a lot of good resources in there. Um, yeah. But yeah, we want to take uh, that moment to recognize that. Yeah. And also that if these are things that you're experiencing, we just want to remind you that that is not your fault and you're not responsible for that. Um, and also there are people out there that if you want support um, are there to support you. Um, And so that's just something to keep in mind. Um, So so moving on Um, after this truly horrifying one act play about emotional manipulation, our star crossed lovers return to their conversation about Bella's hopes and dreams and fears or whatever the fuck, you know? Um, So Bella starts to explain that she wants to stay with Edward more than she should. Um, And it's not explicitly stated, but it's pretty heavily implied that this is the first time we get any inkling that Bella wants Edward to turn her into a vampire, that they can be together forever. You know, Um, I think, you know, and this will this will come back up again in the book. But when she what she's starting to talk about is the fact that he is immortal and she is not right. Um, And this is really deeply fucked because they've for a variety of reasons, but particularly because they've known each other for like 15 fucking minutes. Because we've definitely heard every conversation they've ever had, and they've not None of them warrant this level of... Anyway. Um, So he goes back to gaslighting her at this point. He just starts fucking yelling at her about how she should never forget that he thirsts after her blood more than her, you know, uh, mountain lion. That's Um, a good euphemism. We'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, (laughs) So... And then in perhaps the most misguided and insensitive metaphor ever levied in literature, Edward starts to explain that Bella is like a drug to him. (laughs) Essentially an addict. And then he gives us the line that has haunted me for my entire life. Uh, It is the stuff of every 16-year-old girl's AIM away message in 2009. 
Lay it on me, cat. Oh, God. Okay. So you're saying... So this is Bella first, actually. So Bella... What's actually worse is that it doesn't even come from Edward. It comes from Bella. So Bella says, so what you're saying is, I'm your brand of heroin. <laughs> and then he takes it really seriously and is like, yes, you are exactly my brand of heroin. Just fucking kill fucking me. Fucking mur- murder me. Murder me. And honestly, the worst part of this line is that I know that when I read this as a teenager, I fell for it. Like. This kind of fucking unhealthy addiction and obsession was sold to me as romantic and aspirational. And because I was impressionable, I fucking bought it. You know, like, I honestly can't even remember if I found this line hot or stupid because I'm so warped by how awful I think it is now. Like, I'm sure I did. I probably was like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah. But, um... Sorry, y'all. I just would I- like everyone to know that Katie just made a jack-off motion with her hand. <laughs> It's important to me that you know that. I did. Oh, God. But I just, the impact of this line on teenage girls. I remember this one girl, actually the same girl I'm going to talk about later, (laughs) um, writing this. Hope she's listening. Oh, my God. (laughs) I remember her writing it on her arm, like, every day for a little while. Every day. In, like, Sharpie, like, because she thought it was she was deep and sexy and edgy. Anyways, edgy, uh, edgy, edgy, edgy. Anyways, continue. All right. So what I will say about this part where he's talking about how he wants to drink her blood um, is that his long-winded explanation of the ways that humans smell different uh, to different vampires is fucking hilarious. (laughs) It's like he's like a blood sommelier. I just, like, he, listen... Edward is treating Bella like she's the fucking Moe Chandon of blood bags when she's actually the equivalent of a bottle of barefoot Moscato. She is cheap, she is nauseatingly saccharine, and she's intolerable at anything other than extremely small doses. (laughs) That's so true. Oh no, that's such a good metaphor. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh Um, I've, I've had a lot of barefoot Moscato in my life, and let me tell you, it is precisely as unpleasant as Bella Swan. Um, so we then just get the immense treat of listening to Edward drone on for five full fucking pages about how hard this has been for him and how he deserves a cookie for resisting the temptation to kill Bella every three minutes. Um, this whole section is honestly just an ultra condensed version of Midnight Sun, um, which if you all are not familiar, is the companion novel that Stephanie Meyer started writing. Um, it's just, it's literally just Twilight from Edward's perspective. And it's, then she stopped the, fucking writing it. Oh, she stopped writing it because it got leaked online oh, yeah. and she was salty. She threw, a, she threw a freaking fit. And she was like, just have it. I'm never going to finish it because y'all leaked it. How dare you, yeah. you ungrateful peasants. Yeah, so, so it's like the yeah, back. So it was written as a companion. Yeah, it's the backdoor pilot episode. Like when Jess and Gilmore Girls goes to California. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's, it's when exact, we're circled. It's exact, yeah, it's when we're circled. Um, but fun fact, though, um, Midnight Sun is actually what you have to thank for us even having this podcast. Yeah, oh my god, yeah. Uh, so I was really fucking bored at my first year internship in grad school. Um, and I was like desperate enough for something to do that I downloaded the PDF and started rereading Midnight Sun at my desk. Um, which is how the joke about a summer twilight reread got started. Only and, kind of. Uh, we had mentioned it before then, but it was how it became less of a joke and more of a serious <laughs> more, thing. Because I also started. You were texting me about <laughs> it, and I started reading it on my phone because you sent me the link. So we were like <laughs> texting back and forth. And just so y'all know, in it, he like constantly refers to all the high schoolers as children. Uh huh. But like. He's still real horny for Bella, even though he constantly mm-hmm. calls her a fucking child. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyways. Cool. Sweet. Super normal. Um, so anyway, the main highlights of this section are that Edward tells Bella in no uncertain terms that it took every ounce of willpower he had not to straight up murder an entire room full of children so that he could eat her for the first time they met. Um, and that also basically the only reason that he hasn't killed her is because he didn't want to fuck up his family's life. It's not because he cares about her. Not because he cares about uh, not murdering people. He's not like ethical consumption at all. He's just like no. He's just it's just there is, out hey, to save their own ass. 
There's no ethical consumption under Stephanie Meyer. Oh, God. Um, so he then <laughs> says to Bella that she is like, and I quote, some kind of demon summoned straight from my own personal hell to ruin me, which is quite honestly how I would like every man <laughs> to describe me from now until the end of time. Like, that is aspirational. Oh, my um, God. Less excitingly, he also calls her an insignificant little girl. Which, okay. Um, honestly? <laughs> um, I'm sorry. So Hannah's laughing because she can see my face right now. <laughs> and I look very embarrassed because honestly, Edward calling her an insignificant little girl has probably impacted me psychosexually in ways that like we just won't <laughs> we just won't address here. This is one of those times that we're just both really grateful that our moms don't listen to this podcast. Ooh. Oh boy. Uh. Um. So Edward explains that he decided to come back to Forks after running away to Alaska to try to get away from Bella. Um, He decided to come back not because he's a good person or gives a shit about her, but because he wasn't going to let some fucking girl best him. Cool. Super normal. Oh, yeah. In case you didn't catch that. So, like, in the first part of the book, which we probably might not have even mentioned, Edward just, like, disappears for a while. And it's apparently because he just, like, fucks off to Alaska to go live with some (laughs) old friends because he's like, I can't stay in force for one more goddamn minute or else I'm going to eat that child. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so like but okay Jesus so listeners Christ. dear dear reader um dear reader get ready to scream yikes at the top of your lungs <laughs> because I, i've been ready because uh, edward tells bella it would seems to be like an absolutely horrific attempt at flirting but it's really just fun um i'd have fared better if i had exposed us all at the first moment than if now, here, with no witnesses and nothing to stop me, I were to hurt No witnesses and nothing to stop me. Bella, ignoring the part where he seems to imply that it might have been better if he had just murdered her on the spot when he first met her, and how he very (laughs) casually mentions how easy it would be to murder her now, uh, simply asks, why? Why would it be better? Why would it have been better? And, like, Edward responds while well, ruffling her hair, by the way, which he's already calling her a child, and I was ruffling her hair, and I'm not into it. Because um, I love you too much, silly. Just kidding. Silly. I mean, silly Bella. I mean, he, like, he doesn't say it like that. He says it in the most pedantic way possible and laments the idea of never seeing her blush scarlet again and to never see that flash of intuition in your eyes when you see through my pretenses. Like, I also just want to say that the way that he describes her dead body, like, still, pale, lifeless. Like, the way he describes it is so grossly erotic. Like, Like, he has a necrophiliac. Yeah, because he's a fucking necrophiliac. Oh, yeah. We'll come back to that. Yeah, like, later when he's like, be still. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no. We'll get there. I promise. Uh, Oh, God. Anyway. Oh, so, Romeo. 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 Romeo tells her that she's the most important thing to him now. More important than anything else, including presumably, like, her own safety and well-being. She's yeah, just no. a, like a sexy-smelling meat bag to him that he really cares yeah. about. She's, she's like his favorite stuffed animal. Like, that he also, like, has sex with, maybe. Like, <laughs> do, do, you, can, do you watch Big Mouth? I don't. Oh, God, one of the characters fucks and then has a relationship with a pillow. And I just, that is, that's just this relationship. Dear everyone, when I was young and I first started (laughs) masturbating as a small child, honestly, I was a small child. I didn't know it was masturbating until I was a lot older. I would put a stuffed animal under a pillow and then I would just like grind on that pillow. Yeah, sounds about right. So I get it. Anyways. Oh boy. Okay. That's a nice little so, aside. So like So how does Bella respond to that confession of undying love? Oh, you know. She's into it. <laughs> she's like, I would rather die than be away from him. Cute. Like something, dear reader, we are to take very literally. Like, dearest Bella, boundaries. 
sweetheart. Therapy. Honey. Therapy. Boundaries. Self-worth. Like, we just, ooh. Like, someone help some... make this girl a fucking crisis plan. Like, for real, we need to do some straight-up safety planning, my good bitch. Uh, so Bella, you know, God, oh, God, okay. And y'all, get ready. Sit down if you're not mm. sitting. If you're driving, mm. pull the fuck over. Because we're about to get to the most iconic line in this entire goddamn book. So, like, it's more iconic than the back of the book. More iconic than the irrevocably in love with him. Like, shit. This line. It's about to get wild, y'all. It's not just one line, I guess. It's multiple lines, but still. Put it on me, Katie. And so, this is Edward. And so the lion, (laughs) sorry, let me do an Edward voice. And so the lion (laughs) fell in love with the lamb, he murmured. I look away, hiding my eyes as I thrilled (laughs) to the word. What a stupid (gasps) lamb, I sighed. What a sick, masochistic lion. Oh my god. I can't with this fucking line. This moment is so iconic that I literally Spooch. mentioned it in our first ever episode. Uh like, first of all, this is the first time that you hear either of them use the word love out loud, which is a big fucking deal when you're 17. Which is uh, why or she like says 400. She thrilled to the word. She thrilled. Does that, are we just to assume that she just got real fucking wet? I assume so, but like, what the fuck is that line? I thrilled to the word. I thrilled, I thrilled to the word. I thrilled to the word. Um, okay. So firstly, this is a direct admission that he is a predator. Like not just an interpersonal and emotional predator because duh, but a literal animalistic predator who sees Bella as prey. And then my second question following from that, do lions even eat lambs? Isn't this like a Bible quote? Is it a Bible quote? I don't know. I'm pretty uh, sure it's a Bible thing. Once again, we are in a situation in which we need a listener with Bible knowledge to hit us up. Dear um, Bible people, get us up. Get us up. Get us on it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I want. Um, Anyways. Catch us up on that sweet Bible I knowledge. I don't think that they... Like, antelope would have been better. I just, okay, like, I just want you to know that as I read this for, like, the 800th time in my life, all I could think of is how much funnier this line would be with other equally unrelated animals in place of lion and lamb. Like, can you imagine, like, so the orca fell in love with the alpaca. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm trying to think of. So the rhinoceros. Fell in love with the opossum. Like, it just makes no fucking sense. Oh my god. I love it. It doesn't matter. I love it so much. Okay, I think about this. Like, how many people do you think got really ill-advised tattoos at, like, the age of 18? Oh, absolutely. Like, lion and lamb tattoos, 100%. Oh god. Do you think anyone had this in their vows? Mm Mm-hmm. Those kids oh, in your absolutely. those kids those kids in your hometown who got married like right after high school and then like are now in the process of getting a divorce that they're really publicly talking about on Facebook. Yep, they put this in their vows. I guarantee you that um, if that girl that you had mentioned earlier, who used to write the heroin line on her arm over and over, had been one of the people that got married right out of high school, this Which absolutely I- would have been in her vows. I'm occasionally surprised she wasn't. Anyways. Oh, hard same. Um, so, in case you forgot that this book was written by a Mormon, even after whatever biblical nonsense that line was, I think it's pretty clear here. Because Bella asked Edward like what she can do to make their relationship easier for him. and But she, like, asks this in a way, not like, oh, like, let's talk about, like, our relationship in a healthy way, like, <laughs> communication. No. She says mm-hmm. it in, like, a, I don't, I'm not gonna wear short skirts around men as not to tempt them sort of way. Oh, Jesus Christ. And, like, quick aside here, like, isn't it kind of odd that Bella doesn't go to church, considering how, like, otherwise weirdly Mormon this book is? Yeah, like, you would think that for a book that has such strong, like, religious motifs that she would have been uh, slightly more heavy-handed, but maybe, who knows? According to the Wikipedia page for, I think, Stephanie Meyer, she said something about how um, she wasn't intending for it to be, like, 
sure. so Mormon Valley-y. She's like, it just spills out naturally into my writing. Oh my god. So anyway, so like Bella asks why he ran away from her earlier and he's like, um, what the fuck? What do you mean? You know why? And she's like, no, like specifically, like what did I do? What did <laughs> I do that made you want to murder me? <laughs> and then Edward god. says, like the least creepy thing ever. Um, oh, it was the smell of your throat. <laughs> yeah, you know, just the way that your throat uh, just smells. That, just that sweet, sweet throat. <laughs> God. But really, you know, <clears throat> it was just like he was surprised by how close she got. Because like this hottie has never had anyone get so close to him before. Oh, God. Now I have two clothes stuck in my head. Remember that song? No. Oh, it's the song about, uh, it's the song from the 90s. It's literally about how uh, a dude gets a boner in a club because a girl's dancing too close to him and how he doesn't want anybody to know that he has a boner. Okay, so, yeah. So, he's never had anybody get this close to him before. And apparently, having someone this close to him is giving him other feelings. You know, dick feelings. Um, Okay, also, speaking of dick feelings, I want to address a question that has (laughs) haunted me. Wait, I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? <laughs> Speaking of dick feelings. Yeah, you know, dick feelings. <laughs> Speaking of dick feelings, um, there is a question that has haunted me since I first read this book um, and which spawned many lengthy discussions between me and other horny-ass teenage girls. Um, like me. Can Edward Cullen get a boner? He doesn't have blood, right? So, like, how does the blood flow to his penis to give him a boner? The other question is, does he just have a boner all the time because he's a marble man? See, that's what I thought. I thought it was like rigor mortis. He was already hard. (laughs) Oh, God. Does he have a penis? Like, we don't even know. I don't, you know, I don't know. But today, actually, on my phone. Okay, so I have a Pixel 3. And when you swipe left on a Pixel 3, it brings up, like, Google news story things. And it's um, marketed towards you. Because, you know, Google just shoots my content, content like, directly into my brain. And so, like, I swipe left now, and it's pretty much just, like, wrestling, wrestling, Twilight, Twilight wrestling. <laughs> some, like, tragic news story about something very important. Oh some, like, political stuff that I care about a lot. Twilight wrestling. And so... <laughs> so, like, I haven't read it yet, but I saw today... An article explaining how he was able to get her pregnant. So like, oh, holy shit! With the vampire baby. Oh, sorry, spoiler. And oh, so, y'all, if, if, maybe listen. look out for that article on Twitter. Like, I can't fucking on wait our Twitter to read bitches, that. Follow us on Twitter. Um, um S stbc podcast yeah stbc podcast <laughs> you're about to plug the twitter and you couldn't remember what the twitter was i couldn't remember if it was tb or bt but it's not summer book twilight <laughs> club it's summer twilight book club so it's stbc, STBC podcast. podcast follow oh, us oh boy or just um, follow, follow I, me. I'm at Epsilina, E-P-S-I-L-I-N-A. I know how to spell that, bitches. Anyways. Uh, you can't follow me on Twitter because my Twitter's private because I like my job. Um, anyway. I don't. So <laughs> follow me. So, um, okay. I'm No, I'm genuinely very excited to read that article because I've been needing those answers for years. Um, okay. So Edward then tells our milk toast heroine. Uh, to be... This one's with an E at the end. <laughs> God damn it. Heroin. Um, her- heroin. <laughs> um, to be... So he tells her to be very still. You know. And he then attempts to kiss no. her? I don't know. No. I don't even know if we can reasonably call this kissing. I Okay, is is this what people mean he when they talk about necking? Her. He doesn't kiss her like, yet. He just tries to put his head on her. <laughs> like whatever it is that he does with his weird fucked up vampire mouth on her body he tells her to remain very still which is upsetting like she tells us that his nose skims her collarbone which is such a stupid image like i'm just imagining him smashing his fucking face into her shoulder like an enthusiastic cat and it's so stupid okay when i got to this part what i was reading i like put the book down and i turned to my roommate because like i often were reading this on the couch with my roommate 
And I was like, I have some questions. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So I'm trying to figure out the physics of this fucking part. Because <laughs> they are sitting like crisscross applesauce <laughs> in front of each other. And he puts his head on her collarbone. But he's not like, as far as I can tell. Okay, no, no. Specifically the hollow of her neck like how awkward his head how awkwardly is he positioned like is he like lying across her lap because like they would mention that otherwise this is so weird because like, like he, did he just like lean over her. and shove his yes, face he into leans, her he, like, neck bends in half it just like juts his head forward and like I need someone to let me do this, like see if it's possible because I don't think like, it is. I I need like a controlled study about whether or not this is possible. Like this whole fucking section where he touches her is written with the cadence of erotica, but it's so absurdly chaste, which just leads me to wonder if this is what Mormon sex is like. Okay. Okay, but I will. This is where I'm going to interject. With my story. Please do. Okay, y'all. So, this scene. So, just a few comments on this scene where he's touching her. One, I remember finding this just incredibly hot as a teenager. (laughs) Even though. Hard same. Even though I was having sex. Like, real actual sex as a teenager. (laughs) Like, I think I was, like, at 15 when I first read this. Like, I didn't read it when it first came out. I read it a couple years later. Because I think Eclipse was already out when I read it for the first time. So... I mean, I was familiar with it, but I hadn't read it yet. But this girl who got me to read it, who we will call fucking, I don't know. Let's call, what should we call her? Let's call her Jessica, just for fun. Uh, Jessica, like our favorite side character. So Jessica gets me to read this book. And then, you know, we're having a sleepover. As you do. And I am experiencing some very gay feelings that I don't know how to process yet. Maybe I wasn't having sex yet. Maybe I was like 14. Anyways. Um, so um, we're just stroking each other's faces. <laughs> like taking turns. Like one of us would like trace your face and then it would go down a little lower. And then I traced your collarbone because this book gave us little collarbone fetishes. Oh, absolutely. Every single one of us, every single person on Tumblr, we all had severe collarbone fetishes because of that fucking line. And then we would get a little lower and a little lower. And then, ooh, what are we tracing now? Is it our mountain lions? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But it's a little innocent, you know? It doesn't matter. It's not gay. It's not... Nothing. It's we're not just, gay, just, it's just Twilight. It's not gay, it's just Twilight. <laughs> Anyways, I'll let you fucking continue, but I just need you all to know that, like, we both read this book. Like, we both read it, and I'm pretty sure that we were just subcon- like unconsciously just acting out this scene because <laughs> this book was so impactful that this is our, like, script in our head, like, for sexuality and exploring it because like these people don't know how to explore their sexuality they have no idea Mm -hmm. what to do with these feelings they have feelings and they don't know what the fuck is happening (laughs) same with me when i'm tall when i'm small and gay and then now i'm like a little (laughs) bit bigger and still gay and like (laughs) (laughs) you know that line in nobody where mitsuki says i've been big and small and big and small uh i'm just imagining you singing i've been big and gay and small and gay (laughs) big and gay again Um. (laughs) um what i will say about this weird touching scene is that it finally finally makes me understand why these two dummies are compatible it's because this is fucking edging. It's edging. Edge he touches her. Edge. He, he touches her until he gets too close to eating her that he can't stand it anymore. And then they stop. Which is why they're a perfect match. Because Bella's the kind of masochistic bitch that would edge herself. And Edward has to edge himself in order to not, you know, fucking murder her. So I finally fucking get it. Um, also, I feel like it's now 100% canon that his thirst for her blood is sexual and eating her is for him like the grossest possible version of coming. 
Uh, so I would like to pause here because I have two things I really need to talk about. There are two, oh boy. There are two theories. One theory is that they are both hardcore bottoms and I have no idea how they got <laughs> Because You think Edward's a bottom? Yes. Yes, he wants to be fucking he wants her to like Yes. Yes, he is. Okay. He literally right. is like, I'm a masochist. He will not stop talking about how he's a masochist. He wants to be domed by her. Definitely. How is this gonna work? It's not. Okay, see, Neither of them are switches either. Like, they're... See, I was thinking he might be a switch because he's so, like, horny and fucked up over power and control. Okay, I think I think what we need to do is we're gonna put a poll on Twitter. Uh, who's... It's who tops? Bella Thomas. Who tops? Who, who tops? tops? Okay. So the other theory is uh, way grosser. Um, I feel this this chapter more than anything for me confirmed one horrifying theory, and that oh, is boy. that Bella is really into Vor. What? Bella wants to be eaten, and she gets off on it. Like, oh, it's no. worse than the car crash that is, because he literally is no, like... No, 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 Well, because think about it. Literally, he says no. to her, like, let me talk to a five-page diatribe of how much I want to eat you, and then her response is, he's so hot. Bella oh. fucking loves Boar, and if she knew, oh, and if she knew how no. to Google things better, she would be watching a lot of some fucked up shit. Oh my god! Thank God Bella's terrible at the internet. Anyways, God bless us and our fragile constitutions for the fact that Bella's favorite search engine is Alta Vista. Anyways, um, since I've dropped all this horrible knowledge on you, I'm just gonna shut the fuck up for a little bit and let you talk. Oh my God, I I don't know if I'm ever gonna recover from that. It's true. Um, I just God, the descriptions of the ways that these two idiots touch each other are fucking absurd. Like. Bella delicately strokes Edward's eyelid. How is that in any way pleasurable? Like, I'm I don't just know, fucking but imagining I definitely her remember Jessica poking, poking him in the eye. Just poking him in the eye. <laughs> Why? She should. Uh, also, these descriptions of how horny they both are are so funny. They're so funny. Bella says that Edward's eyes are hungry, not in a way that makes her scared, but in a way that, and I quote, Tightens the muscles in the pit of my stomach and send my pulse hammering through my <laughs> veins again. Baby, sweetie, that's not your stomach, that's your badge. That's your mountain lion. <sighs> I just, like, and then Edward tells Bella that he wishes that she could feel the complexity, the confusion that I feel. And, listen, I have to say that given what we know now about the questionable mechanics of Edward's penis and his weird, like, blood cum thing... I imagine that vampire boners are probably pretty confusing. But what I will also say is that complexity and confusion are pretty weird names for your dick. But, uh, okay. All right. <laughs> Just, oh boy. Um, okay, so we then come to what is perhaps my sleeper favorite for this chapter. Uh, when two teens who have clearly never experienced sexual arousal before desperately try and fail to, each- <laughs> to explain to each other that they want to fuck. Like, oh he says... He says, there are other hungers, hungers I don't even understand that are foreign to me. They literally both acknowledge that they have never felt like this before. And like this clearly means horny as fuck, right? Um, And that just makes this entire interaction even more horrifying to me. Because apparently we're supposed to believe that this 3,000 or whatever year old vampire in his entire time of being the world's most beautiful marble sculpture of a teenage boy, Edward has never hit it. <laughs> like, not even one time. Not even once, he'll die. Edward Cullen is a fucking nerd virgin. <laughs> and Isabella Swan, who is the human equivalent of a bowl of oatmeal, <laughs> is the one oatmeal. that has awoken the carnal beast. <gasps> Like, that's what does it for him? I don't fucking buy it. My favorite, I don't buy it. My favorite part here is how Edward is explaining it. Like, how he's trying to explain it. And he's literally like, not literally, it's not his exact words, but he's like, you, a simple human, wouldn't understand. And Bella's like, um, I understand being horny, Edward. 
Yeah, like, girls fuck too, Edward. And then Edward sees in Belle... Okay, yeah. So then Edward sees in Bella's eyes that it's, like, getting dark or whatever. And something, something, like, her father's gonna be home, blah, blah, blah. And so then he wants to show her. Um, he's gonna take her back, but they're not gonna do this whole fucking five-hour hike again. So he decides to show her how he travels in the woods. Which gives us one of my favorite images from mid two thousand cinema, human backpack, Bella Swan, just clinging onto him koala style. And I honestly can't decide what's worse, the fact that he calls her little coward in the book or having to hear Robert Pattinson utter the phrase, hold on tight, spider monkey. What? I have not, mm, I have not watched the film, Zahana. These are spoilers. Thank you very much. But uh, no, like, I can't wait to hear that. That's fucking It's going to be, awful. oh God, I can't wait to watch you experience. Hold on, tight, spider spider monkey. Spider monkey. Actually, I think I have seen that scene. I think it's the only God. scene I've ever seen. That's um understandable so yeah so he puts he like slings her on his back and then he turns into the flash and oh my fuck sahana what i just what? i just pictured edward as ezra miller oh baby no and now i'm attracted to edward no ezra miller would have been a bomb ass edward Oh, God. Listen, we're going to have to start a fucking list for all of the people that we've now imagined Edward Cullen as because we definitely have uh, Brian Cranston, Ezra Miller now, and... Bradley Cooper. Oh, God. You made that fucking joke about, yeah. It was a great joke. Okay, sorry. Carry on. Carry on. So he just, like, darts through the trees really fast and scary, and her weak human frame can't handle it. Um, uh, yeah, Bella literally says that no fear she's ever felt in his presence compares to this. So apparently the fact that he's a literal predator who's trying to eat you is chill, but he runs kind of fast and that fucks you up. Cool. She's cool. got mad cool. vertigo. Great. So they get through and he's like, that was so cool, right? And she's like, fucking put me down, Edward. I'm going to vomit on you. <laughs> so he sets her on the ground and is like, He's like, oh my god, you're like white as a sheet. No, lol, you're white as me. Like, oh my god, we'll just let that I fucking just, stand. That was I don't the word. Like, there are so many layers to you're as white as me, and I think that we just need to let it stand on its own. Um, oh but god. I just would like to say that somebody once described something to me. Um, as whiter than an odd future concert and that's really what i thought of when i was reading this oh my god oh so so she spends some time recovering and then edward sits next to her and tells bella who like by the by is still nauseous as hell for that jaunt through the woods that he wants to try something oh boy and so he takes her face in his hands and bella specifically notes that she felt it was clear that he was not pausing to, like, gauge her reaction like a normal person would. And he wasn't trying to see if, like, she was comfortable. But he was testing himself to make sure he was in control of his need. So, like, Edward... But he doesn't give a shit about her. Nope. Edward is edging himself and just using Bella to do it. And then we finally, after a few agonizing moments, uh, finally he kisses her. Now, oh my God. I don't know about you, Sahana. But when I read this kiss, I thought it sounded like the most uncomfortable thing ever. Because she literally says he has cold marble lips. So here's the thing. I read this book before I had ever kissed a boy. And I was like, yeah, okay, seems cool. (laughs) Cold marble sounds about right. (laughs) Yep, that that tracks. All right. Next. (laughs) Ah, yes. You know, kissing. But so Bella... It's so fucking into it. She like, immediately orgasms right there on the spot. Like Only just thing waterfalls. Is, like someone get that girl a fucking vibrator. Because she has clearly never touched herself. So, oh my god. Mm, so, well I mean probably though because she's been like edging herself for weeks. Because yep. like we've already mentioned it in previous episodes y'all. If you don't know what we're talking about go back and listen. So she was just like fucking ready to burst, and she does. And like, she literally says that her blood boils, and then she just like goes for it. She like 
puts his her fingers in his hair and it's just like ah and like and then Edward Edward however again a little vampire who is lusting for her blood and trying to control his evil urges no subtext there turns like to a statue and then she tries to like extricate himself herself from him and he's like because she's like a oh, fuck I fucked up but he like won't let her move he's like no it's tolerable he actually says it's tolerable and so like Edward's basically trying to not come he's like you can't move or I'm gonna finish and and like and God. he does it successfully he has decades more experience edging himself than Bella does he's a fucking pro yeah and it's fucking weird like clearly nobody's ever touched Bella Swan before because she just immediately has an orgasm and then as soon as she responds in any way at all Edward becomes disinterested like, I know that it's supposed to be a fucking safety thing or whatever, but it almost seems like he's only interested if she just sort of, like, stands still. Like, he only wants like her if she's not Four. moving. Right, yes, because every fucking time I read or think about this scene, it makes me think of Porphyria's fucking lover. Oh, my God. That is what I think of. Do you remember Porphyria's lover? Oh, of course I do. I remember that specifically, so we had different... Um, classes like multiple hours of like in high school this was this was middle school we read school. it in high school too we read it in junior year because i remember specifically that one of mr so-and-so's class um thought that this play was or thought this play thought this poem was really hot and romantic and uh mr so-and-so was like what the fuck is wrong with all of you <laughs> and then the other classes were like no this is fucked up and he was like good thank you i'm glad that this class doesn't all need yeah, therapy okay. so for those of you that don't know about porphyry's lover i don't remember who the writer is uh um, isn't it it's oh is it tennyson i'm gonna, Katie's look, looking I'm gonna it up. look it up while katie looks it up you all should know that this poem is one in which the narrator spends the whole poem talking about how hot his wife is. And then at the end, the reveal is that he definitely murdered her and is about to have sex with her. I thought it was, what's his name? Um, What's her name's husband? Oh, Shelly? Is it a Shelly poem? No, 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 the other one. Um, Byron? Robert Browning. Robert Browning. Isn't he married to... Fucked up little bitch. Isn't that, um, what's... Oh, yeah, yeah, Emily Barrett Browning. She's the one that did all the sonnet. Yeah, thank you. We learned yeah. stuff from Mr. So-and-so. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, see, well, here we are putting our public education to good use. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so... Edward, he wraps her hair around her neck and murders her with it. Yeah, he strangles her with her own hair and then spends a whole bunch of time talking about how hot she is now that she's dead. And then he's like, peace out, I'm gonna go fuck my dead wife. Anyway. It's rough. It's rough. So, anyway. Edward, after this just travesty of a kiss, Asks Bella if she's still dizzy from the run or if it's just his kissing expertise. Uh, And in between throwing up in my mouth over this, I realized that this line alone really is all the confirmation that we needed that Edward Cullen is definitely still a virgin. This is, that's some virgin ass bullshit. Yeah. I mean, that's like, (laughs) that's some shit that boys on swim team would try me and I'd be like, sweetie, you're you're terrible at kissing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as i'm sure edward is with his gold ass lips oh is that not just is that not what kissing is so like? like if that weren't enough he then has a light-hearted argument with bella about who is going to drive um and he posits that friends don't let friends drive drunk and she's like what the fuck are you talking about and then he clarifies that she is intoxicated by his very presence which as a 15 year old hot but as a nearly 26-year-old fucking major yikes, bro. Wait, I, he sounds like a fucking pickup artist. Every time he attempts to be, like, smooth or, like, lay a line down on her, he just sounds like a fucking neckbeard. It's horrifying. It's not great. But, of course, he wins the argument and thus ends the most exhausting chapter of my fucking life so far. I... Fucking honestly, I had to spread out reading this chapter over three days because it was so tiring. I feel like I ran an emotional marathon. It was rough. So just thanks for fucking hanging in there with us, team. Um, I do. Um, yeah, there's only, I think, a couple things 
you know, yeah. we're pretty, we pretty much gave you that chapter blow by blow because it was just so important that you all knew all the trash we had to go through. But I do need to, I do need to share my favorite line of this chapter because we have not mentioned it. Yeah, please. and it is not. I, just my I've favorite. been holding on to it. It is not just my favorite line in this chapter. It might be my favorite line of any book of all time. She is describing Edward, and she says. <laughs> His expression slowly folded into a mask of ancient sadness. <laughs> Y'all. A mask, a mask of, of ancient, ancient sadness. I just like what? I picture him like he's bright and youthful looking, and then his like face falls, and he just like, turns into John Hurt. <laughs> Oh, John Hurt has to go on the list now. Poor John Hurt. John Hurt, let him rest in peace. <laughs> John Hurt deserves better. Oh, boy. Um, can I can I tell you about my favorite line? Yeah, you really chapter? can. Yep. I, so I have, I, have two, I have two things that I would like to touch on. The first is that Stephanie Meyer, I think, unintentionally gave us a dick joke. Because um, when Edward is holding Bella in his arms... And then finally lets her go. She said, he says to her, it won't be so hard again. And Bella says, was that very hard for you? And pray tell, reader, in what universe could that possibly be read as anything other than a dick joke? No, it was like definitely that, a dick joke. Like I, it's, a, it's a dick joke. That was intense. Um, okay, the other thing is that Bella uses the words seraphic and besotted in the same sentence. Oh, which that was le- rough. It, like, it is egregious. And it leads me to believe either that she is canonically a Victorian duchess in a 17-year-old girl's body, uh, or what is more likely is that Stephanie Meyer is just fucking playing throw the darts at the thesaurus while writing oh, this book. Oh, she so is, because it's all the time like that. All the fucking time. It does Besotted. Like God. Oh. Anyway, All right. so that's pretty much it for this week. Thanks for hanging in there with us. Um, again, we do want to remind everyone that if you or someone you know is experiencing emotional or physical violence or abuse, that you can find resources in the description. Um, but thank you for listening. Please take this time to hug your loved ones, rest, drink some fucking fluids. Like, Look at some pictures of Rihanna, do know, some self-care. Do whatever you need to do to recover from this nightmare of a chapter. Um, please follow us on Twitter at STBC Podcast. Um, you did it. I'm so proud of thanks. you. Uh, we are available to download and stream at summertwilightbookclub.podbean.com. Dot com and by the time this episode's posted we should also be on itunes we're so accessible y'all uh i'm kat and i am sahana and we love you bye bye, bye.